0: Hello and welcome to Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Waisner. When I look around the world and check out what's going on, all I see is crisis after crisis after crisis. There's good things that are happening, they're just not being reported on. Let's go back and look at what a crisis is and does. Crisis comes into our lives and it makes no difference how many times we try to avoid them—they're unwanted experiences or events that are unsettling and troubling and take us out of our comfort zone. Many times, a crisis involves some sort of loss; it can be financial, relationship, health, or of a spiritual nature. These upsets and upheavals can be of our own making or thrust upon us by events happening outside of our control. A crisis makes you focus. For me, a crisis takes all the trivial matters of the day and forces them to fall from my vision or sight. I don't care about my favorite sports team or what's on TV or the radio or what I'm going to eat. My attention is focused on the crisis and trying to find my way back to whatever I considered normal. Now, I've learned that I'm not going to get back to, quote, normal after a crisis. A crisis places us squarely outside of our familiar zone, our comfort zone. It removes the boundaries that we have established and determined. It's as if a storm, a hurricane, or a tornado has swept in. And when we open our eyes, everything has changed. We want to get back to where we were. But the crisis isn't going to allow that option. Going back is not possible. But can we learn from this crisis? Can we reframe how we see the crisis? Is there a way to grow, improve, or take advantage of this crisis to better ourselves or that of our family, friends, neighbors, even our country or even the world? I've experienced. A financial crisis, a health crisis of my father, my mother, and my brother, a crisis of losing a job, and I'm sure that each of you has experienced a crisis in some form. Can you find a way to make the crisis look like a blessing in disguise, albeit one that you didn't want? Now, Steve Jobs founded Apple. But he got fired from the very company that he founded. Did he feel defeated or victimized? Maybe for a few minutes, or a few hours, or a few days, or maybe even a month. But he made a different decision. He looked around the landscape and saw an opportunity that others did not see. He went on to lead a small animation company that turned into Pixar Studios. The Walt Disney Company bought Pixar in 2006, and Steve Jobs became the largest shareholder in Disney. The moral of the story is that unwanted change happens. Look beyond it, embrace the discomfort, and see the new opportunities that abound. A door closed, but a brand new door opened that's loaded with potential for you. A crisis. Is a snapshot of a moment in time and one that we generally want to ignore and avoid. Life presents us with a crisis so that we can grow, gain a new perspective, or seize a new opportunity. Initially, the crisis isn't very much fun. It's hard, it's difficult, it's emotionally draining, and we long to get back to what we considered normal. When a crisis happens, you can freeze in fear or you can look beyond. To find a new opportunity. In a relationship crisis where someone is left, the other person may feel betrayed and heartsick, but with a little time, they may actually be thankful because they're freed from an unworthy, inauthentic relationship. If they evolve through the loss of this relationship, there's an opportunity for a new and healthier relationship that's a much better fit. The 2008 economic upheaval was not a pleasant event and was forced on most people by the actions of others and wasn't of our own making. It was hard. It was stressful. Through the losses that happened, many people had the opportunity to reflect on their values, choices, and made adjustments that may actually benefit them. I was working as an independent consultant at that time. And I had three different clients, and I lost all three clients. I had to find a job, but also gave me an opportunity to self-publish several books. It was a turning point in my life. You could be so busy with the work you're doing that you don't have a spare moment for family and friends and consumed with achieving more and more. The loss of a job can be paralyzing and full of fear. But you have the opportunity to reevaluate your priorities and determine what is actually most important. The opportunity to write a book, start a new business, find a better job are options that are open to you because of a crisis. You are now outside your comfort zone. When my mom got sick in 2015, I stopped by my brother's house to let him know what was going on. Initially, he looked at me and said, What am I supposed to do about it? And I said, Mike, I'm not saying you have to do anything. All I'm doing is telling you what's going on. But my brother took that opportunity presented by the crisis to begin spending more time with his mother. His change in attitude was beneficial for my mom and gave my brother the opportunity to redefine his relationship with family. He made an effort to see her at least once a week. And I know they had long conversations. Webster's Dictionary defines crisis as a crucial or decisive point or situation, a turning point. You could ask yourself, what are you turning towards? What new opportunity or adventure awaits you? This turning point or tipping is precisely where transformation occurs. You have free will you have the ability to make a choice to freeze in fear and panic of the unfamiliar or to get out of your comfort zone and seek the new opportunity unfolding before you. Are you going to live in anxiety and retreat or embrace a new or embrace a new relationship with opportunity? Change happens all the time, but human beings typically don't like change. But if you can release your need to control it, you can ride the waves of change and turn it into a brand new opportunity. I have a question for you. When was the last time you got lost? How did you feel? And did you make any changes so that it wouldn't happen again? The last time I remember being lost was when my family and I went mushroom hunting in southern Indiana. I think I was about 12 at the time. We decided a decision was made to split up. My mom and I went one direction. My brother and my my father went a different direction. And about 30 minutes later, my mom said something about, I don't recognize this area. We've been in this forest many times. I don't know where we're at. I raised my point of sight from the ground to eye level and looked took a 360 degree turn to see what I could discern. and I remember saying you're right I don't re- I, I've never been in this part of the forest before I'm not sure where we're at So we both stopped moving. My mom started yelling my father's name, pausing and waiting for a response and there was none. At that point, my heartbeat started racing and I took a couple of deep breaths. And my mom was trying to reassure both me and herself that everything was going to be fine. So we located where the sun was in the sky and the general direction that we had come from. And after a short discussion, where we both realized we hadn't come across one of the roads that divides this forest, we figured out the direction we needed to go. And within about five minutes, we found the road. And we walked and we walked and we walked. And eventually we saw the truck. But we had gotten really turned around. And of course, as we got to the truck, my brother and father came out of the woods going, Where the heck have you been? We explained we had gotten turned around and were way down the other direction. My dad's solution to that not happening again was to give each of us a whistle, which we were to use Every 10 to 15 minutes, if we were out of visual sight of each other. And that worked well for many of our mushroom hunting adventures in southern Indiana. I like this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson There is a time in every man's education when he arrives at the conviction that envy is ignorant, imitation is suicide. That he must take himself for better, for worse, as his portion. That though the wide universe is full of good, no kernel of nourishing corn can come to him but through his toil bestowed on that that plot of ground which is given to him to till. Now that quote comes from his essay on self-reliance. Emerson believed that true knowledge comes from within you, not from books, lectures, or the media in today's world. Knowledge can come from multiple sources, but self-knowledge is very important. You have the opportunity, the choice, the free will to determine who you are, what your values are, what's important to you, and if there is something that doesn't serve you to make changes. There are many lessons that can be learned from Emerson's essay, Self-Reliance. For me, there are two big lessons. Number two is to tune out the distraction and tune in to your intuition. Modern life is filled with distractions. It's difficult to hear your own thoughts. The airwaves are filled with junk, opinion masquerading as fact, and so much propaganda Bald faced lying and negativity that your sanity can be questioned. From our televisions, phones, tablets, computers, all the apps and games. These are all distractions. They take the focus off your life. You can't hear the voice within because your focus is on other stuff, not you. Turn off the distractions and tune in to your intuition. So that you can hear the guidance and wisdom that is being offered. For me, the number one lesson of self-reliance is to accept who you are and where you are without exception or reservation. You are whole, perfect, and enough in this moment. Your power is in your uniqueness. You have the power, the ability to start and begin from exactly where you are. But it's hard to begin any journey if you don't know exactly where you are and what your position is. Acknowledge your position and then step into a new journey. Stop comparing yourself to others. Be who you are. You're different and that's okay. I recommend that you read Emerson's essay on self-reliance. When I look around at all the governmental agencies that are supposed to protect human beings like you and me, I wonder what went wrong. You have the EPA, the CDC, the FDA, the NIA, the FCC, rules, regulations, and laws that aren't protecting our health and well-being. I believe in the precautionary principle, which is a broad philosophical and legal approach to innovations with the potential for causing harm when extensive scientific knowledge on a matter is lacking. It emphasizes caution, pausing and review before leaping into new innovations that may prove disastrous. It acknowledges that the progress of science and technology has often brought great benefit to humanity, but it's also contributed to the creation of new threats and risk. It implies that there is a social responsibility to protect the public from exposure to harm when scientific investigation has found a plausible risk, these protections should be released or relaxed only when further scientific findings emerge that provides sound evidence that no harm will result. All these agencies seem more interested in protecting industry and profits over our health and well-being. From no updated FCC regulations for 5G because we're once again implementing a technology which independent researchers show is harmful, but which industry says, "Oh, it's just fine! No problem here. Go look over there. We're consumer products, like makeup, household cleaners, polishes, carpets bedding, which don't even have the ingredients. Listed on the container. Heaven forbid that we should know what's in these products. Or the EPA, who says this chemical is fine at this dose and doesn't test it in relationship to any other chemical, or say to manufacturers to use less because it's in every product that they make. As a result, there's more sickness, unwellness, unhealthiness. In our modern society, the preservatives in our food are for the benefit of the manufacturer, so that the product can spend more time on the shelf before sale and Yes, the preservatives are in there at a very small amount, but they're in ev- but they're in many products, and humanity, human beings, is not benefiting from their use. We may in fact be being poisoned one cookie cracker cleaning product at a time. So what are we to do? When you shop at a store, a grocery store in particular, you want to avoid the products in the middle of the store. These are all highly processed foods. The fruits, vegetables, milk, eggs, meats are along the walls of the store, and that's where you want to shop. In the food industry, natural means nothing. It has no standing. One word that does have meaning is organic. But even that word organic and its definition has been under attack for years. So if your pocketbook can afford it, choose organic. The environmentalworkinggroup.org is an excellent source of information on products of all kind. I'm particularly fond of their Clean 15 and Dirty Dozen food lists which can help guide you on food purchases. The environmentalworkinggroup.org can help you to become a more informed consumer, which is exactly what the government and industries don't want you to be. There are many philosophies in the world, and I believe that there are many things that we can learn from these different philosophies. I'm particularly fond of Dow and what it says about how to live one's life, and leadership, and want to go over some of these leadership ideas. If a leader is open, has no position to defend, reveals no favoritism, no one wants to fight or quarrel, nobody feels slighted or ignored. A leader facilitates other processes, does not push, force, manipulate, or shape thoughts or agenda. Because of this, the leader meets little or no resistance or resentment. A leader is open, receptive, yielding, and of service. A leader follows. A leader remains in the background. Great leaders don't rush into every conflict or battle. Instead, they allow the aggressor, the attacker, numerous opportunities to make self-defeating mistakes or errors. Leaders don't seek a fight. If conflict comes, you step back. You don't use your abilities to harm others needlessly and are gracious if you win. Production is not achieved through constraints and limitations. Production is made through providing opportunities. Motivate individuals by offering opportunities instead of by implication of obligation. Receive others in an attentive, open, and truthful way, and people will respond in kind. Leadership is not a matter of winning to overcome rigid resistance, yield or step back, and resistance reduces or relaxes. Do not pretend to know all the answers. It is wiser to acknowledge you don't know the answer than to believe otherwise. There is no dishonor or shame in admitting, I do not know. Now the Tao on life, on how to live life, I find fascinating, and it shares many of the same features with other philosophies. It just has a different tone. All life and all events contain a certain vibration or frequency. These vibrations can be positive, which is cooperative, or negative, which is conflict and turbulent. These vibrations show the polarities within all of nature, know how things work, and one can stay flexible. Strength is flexible. The law of nature is blind. It doesn't play favorites. In nature, justice is even-handed. Know yourself. Act from your center. Do not seek praise. Do not seek money. Material success may not be a good thing. It may make one want more, may make you greedy, The accumulation of stuff wastes energy, time, and resources better used on other endeavors. Stuff needs to be cared for, insured, maintained, and stored. There is an old saying Do you own your possessions or do they own you? Effective action requires silence and clear knowledge of self. Unsure, uncertain, relax, be still, and view everything through calm reflection. Get your life in order. Know your center. Be grounded and you can influence others. You can be the beginning of the ripple effect. Influence begins with you and moves outward. Learn to unclutter your mind. Being well defended guards, alarms, locks, doesn't protect you. It steals time and energy. It diminishes your life. Have no expectations. The outcome can't be called a failure. Learn to recognize the beginnings. The earlier the beginning is noted, the easier the event can be managed, shaped, or easily guided. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Well, that's the end of today's show. I hope you've enjoyed it and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Weisner. Have a fabulous week, people.